to the all-new Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl, and it is my pleasure to sit in as the host of the Y'all Show, the show all about the South. We cover 16 southern states, and we will discuss music, sports, politics, food, culture, just about anything to do with the South. You can find it right here on the Y'all Show. It'll be a whole lot of fun each and every day as we broadcast for two hours on a network of stations across the Southeast. And it will be a show that you will not want to miss and you will want to share with your friends and family. We'll tell you all about it as we continue on with this show, The Y'all Show. And welcome in to this first Y'all Show ever in the books. I'm John Rawl again, and thank you so much for being a part of our All Dixie Show as we discuss all things Southern. If you have a little y'all in your accent, well, this is the place to be. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. And we're going to go through all types of topics on this show. So we hope we become part of your daily routine on the program. Today's show, our first show that we'll be putting on for you, it's going to have a lot of good information as we're going to discuss things that, well, frankly, I think everybody that likes the South will find there's going to be something for all y'all with the y'all show. We're going to first here on today's show discuss a little bit of what what y'all is, a little bit about my background, being the y'all guy that uh, I guess I am and, and proudly am, by the way. And we'll also kind of break down what we will be doing on the show each day. And as we go through each week here on the program, you'll get a, a good glimpse of what being a y'all person is all about. We hope you part, are part of the family and we encourage you to interact with us on the program as we get through each program and each week of the show. First off, about me, well, I, I'm sure there are more Southern people out there, but I, I think I would have to be amongst the masses of great southerners because well frankly how many people are born on a collard green farm that's exactly what i was uh lucky enough to be born uh in south carolina and i grew up uh just outside of columbia south carolina my parents have been and continue to be along with my brothers amongst the largest growers of collard greens turnip greens mustard greens and other produce out there you can find their pro their products in stores across the region, but did that for many uh, years uh, growing up and decided, well, maybe there's something else besides vegetable farming that would be in my interest. So I ended up going to college, and I'll tell you a lot about that as we move through the show, and uh, got a degree in business, ended up going to Nashville, worked in Nashville in the 1990s in country music. We'll have country music a big part of this show, and and was very proud to be in Nashville when country music was absolutely booming in the 1990s and I had a very small role in that and I'll share all that with you here on the Y'all Show as we get through the years we hope of doing this program. Ended up going to Mississippi for graduate school. Along the way had a marriage fall apart. So uh, not all I guess uh, unicorns and, and roses or rainbows and unicorns with me. Like many of you I'm sure we've all had heartache. Ended up going to uh, Oxford, Mississippi, where I spent 15 years there. And also, in addition to, to working there, I was able to get my master's degree and worked in journalism and uh, 
did all kind of stuff. While in Oxford, I came up with the idea to launch Y'all Magazine, the magazine of Southern people. And we started that in 2003 and did that for seven years on newsstands across the Southeast, y'all.com, the website. And we were able to really do some really neat things throughout seven years and 30 editions of Y'all Magazine. We encourage you to go to y'all.com, our website, and check out some of our past issues of the magazine. But to, to make things nice and sweet and short, after about seven years of doing the magazine, in 2010, I decided to, to put it on suspension because it was just becoming too incredibly hard to, to keep the show going with all of the, uh, the magazine going rather, with all of the expenses and with the economy being that it was, as well as the fact that, let's be honest, uh, traditional media like magazines just were getting their teeth gnashed in in the late uh, 2000s decade as social media became such a big force. And that was the excuse that so many people used whenever we were doing advertising. Hey, we love what you're doing, but we're gonna, we're gonna put our money and time into something called social media. Well, needless to say, that was not a big help to me and others like me who had had newspapers and magazines across the region. So after seven years, we decided, well, we need to just step back and see what happens. And unfortunately for yours truly, I haven't found a way to keep the magazine going as of, of 2018. I've had many meetings and interested parties, but inevitably it all comes down to money and how these people can make a printed magazine keep going. So haven't been able to do that. Maybe it never will. Maybe it will. I, I kind of sound like our president kind of being a little bit, uh, a little bit non-committal to the future of y'all. But regardless, that's uh, uh, something we're proud of and something we continue to have the y'all.com website and y'all apparel of which you can buy some really neat hats at y'all.com. And we'll be sharing information as we go along with the y'all show about how you can become part of the y'all family and brand it and show it off but after seven years of doing the y'all magazine we we did stop it and along the way we started doing more radio work i started doing some some sports shows for sec teams and a few acc teams and that really turned out to be a nice change and and along the way we promoted y'all but we actually had a completely separate deal going with a company called crm sports that continues by the way as we have, have shows weekly one hour shows for several college teams and so that's a little bit of the majority of my work the last seven years has been with the radio side of things and uh, started a newspaper for a, uh, the Tupelo newspaper in Mississippi a couple of years ago in Oxford and I was a newspaper publisher for a while but regardless one of the things throughout the last few years and really since the advent of the magazine that that I've been wanting to do is a y'all show a y'all show that is on the radio that is out there in podcast form, but also can be now with social media's video, visual aspect, we can put on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope as soon as we can. And we're still working some kinks out on the video front, but uh, on, on the show, we hope to very soon tell you how you can watch this show every day, make it a habit on Facebook or YouTube or however you watch videos and we'll become a part of your life, both, both visually as well as audio with our Facebook edition or Periscope. Still still working out how we're going to exactly do all that, but should be a lot of fun as we grow this thing. This show is going to be a show, again, about the South, but we're going to take it on the road. This is 
going to be an exciting opportunity to have an all-South show done by the South, done by Southerners, and we're not apologetic. We know that the South is not perfect. We've had some scars in our history, but we want to defend the South when we need to be defended. And there are times in the national media, well, let's face it, the South is the kicking boy. We, uh, when you go to Manhattan and the other media circles of the country, that, that the South is sort of our redheaded stepchild still, even though the South represents about 43% of the entire U.S. population. If you put our economies together in the southern states, we are a force throughout the world. And it, some of this kicking us around gets a little old. And so we're going we're gonna to stand up for the South here on the Y'all Show. And yours truly, John Rawl, is going to be very happy to lead the way. But I need your help. And the way you can help us here on the Y'all Show is be a part of the program. We've got a number for you to call anytime you want. We, you can call Leave us a message. You can text us anytime. You can email us here at the Y'all Show. Whatever we can do to get you a part of the show. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you have ideas or suggestions, we want to hear about it because this is a show for y'all, by y'all, and it's going to be all y'all. Our number to call is 803-816-1170, 816 1170. That is a number to call or text 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Want to hear your input on the Y'all Show. We have a Twitter account and we're trying to get the numbers on that as high as we possibly can. We just started that, so the numbers are pretty low as of this moment. But the number, the, the Twitter account for the Y'all Show is at Y-A-L-L Show, at Y'all Show is our Twitter account. Follow us each day when the program is produced. This show will be sent out via tweet, and you can link it and listen to it in podcast form. So we love our radio stations, but whether you're listening to us on the radio or you're not, or maybe you listened and then you got sidetracked and you missed a part of the show, we'll always have a podcast edition that you'll be able to find in iTunes or go to our Twitter account, and you'll get the link to listen to each and every day's podcast edition of the y'all show so making it as easy as possible for you to to be a part of the program and to give you an idea of what all we have on tap with the y'all show we're going to have some news but instead of giving you hours and hours of of coverage that you can get frankly on cnn or fox news or wherever else you get your news we're going to put a southern spin on just about everything we do so for example uh, in our next segment, we'll kind of do a, a weekend review since this is the Monday edition of the Y'all Show. We'll kind of put a weekend spin on some of the news. Of course, the big news, I guess, nationally right now is what's going on with the border with children. We'll talk about that, but we're also going to really tell you about some headlines from across the region that perhaps you haven't seen or heard. Some of it is absolutely amazing, and that's what we're going to really specialize is the stuff that promotes our region or is about our region that, frankly, the pundits in New York and Washington and L.A. would never cover or bury it if they cover it at all. So we'll have that coming up on the show. Uh, later in today's show, in this hour, actually, we're going to be talking with Michael Ferguson. He is a dairy farmer, and he's with the Dairy Alliance. He's going to come on and tell us about being a dairy farmer and how that uh, lifestyle is a big, big lifestyle, a big, big challenge. 
But also, one reason we're asking Mr. Ferguson to come on our program is if you follow the news at all in the last two weeks, there's been a little bit of a, a, a brouhaha with the United States and Canada over dairy products. And we're going to talk to Mr. Ferguson about how the dairy tariff or tariffs impact southern dairy farmers. And, and so we'll have a great conversation with this Mississippi dairy farmer later this hour, Michael Ferguson, coming on the show as our Y'all Street Report. Y'all Street, the business side of the South, will have a, uh, ep episodic adventures throughout the Y'all Show of Y'all Street, so you'll get a, a feel for business here on this program. In hour two, we're going to recap sports across the Southeast this, this past weekend. We saw a couple of Southerners battle for the U.S. Open Golf Championship on Long Island. We'll give you a report on that. But also, we're going to share with you what's going on in Omaha as several of our SEC teams and a couple of ACC teams like UNC have been out in Omaha playing in the College World Series. We'll give you a report on that on uh, this week's show, or today's show, rather, and give you who all will the pairings will be going on throughout the rest of this week. It's a two-loss-and-you-go-home two situation. So a couple of the schools like Florida, the defending national champion, have already had a setback, but they still have a chance to come out roaring and come back ahead. And so we will uh, give you a full breakdown of what's going on in Omaha with the College World Series in Hour 2. Also in Hour 2, we're going to welcome in a new segment. It's called Short Stories with Jerry Short. Now, Jerry is a person I've known a long time, and he is a person that will – he's the kind of guy you want to have on a long road trip. He can talk, and he can talk about colorful things that you've never heard about. And so as we're going to do a y'all show, we want to accentuate the South and the characters and stories that come from it. And we felt like having Jerry Short and the segment Short Stories as a part of the y'all show would be such a, a fun thing for you. And so hopefully you'll like it. Jerry's going to come on and, and talk about a number of things that I think you'll absolutely be amazed by in hour twos. So that's uh, coming up on today's show, Short Stories. And then the rest of the week here on the show, you're going to hear segments Coming up on the show about Southern women, we're going to have a special guest on tomorrow's show all the way from out in L.A. She is a Southern girl, but she will be coming on and talking about her website and her YouTube channel that has, I think, close to a million followers. So we'll be talking tomorrow with the czar of the Southern Women channel, Julia Fowler. We're also going to be talking some barbecue. And also on Tuesday's show, we'll have a breakdown of the primaries going on right now throughout the South and some real upsets on the Republican side especially that we'll tell you about. Howie Morgan of the Election Impact Group will be on tomorrow's show with that. Then later this week we're going to have a country music segment with Precious Harris, the Nashville Music Line, a full recap of what's going on in Music City on the country music side. We'll have an ACC and SEC report as we'll have a lot of sports talk on the Y'all Show as college football remains king in Dixie and we'll have insiders for both the ACC and SEC coming on our show. We've got some information about a really neat festival going on this weekend in the coast, uh, coastal area of North Carolina. So you'll want to be making sure you tune in Thursday for that. And then as we round out the week on Friday, we've got a grilling expert coming on from Galveston, Texas, that uh, will be a lot of fun. And we'll also look at the weekend ahead in terms of sports. So all kinds of excitement right here 
on the Y'all Show. We don't want you to miss out on it. We will take a break on the program, and when we come back, we'll come, come right back to you and give you a full recap of this past weekend. It was Father's Day on Sunday. I'll tell you how that day went for me, as I am a father, and I was able to spend time with my son, who is absolutely awesome, by the way, but it was even more awesome when your son is with you on Father's Day. Hopefully you all, or I should say y'all, had a chance to be with your child if you are a father and if you're a mother well your special day was last month and we salute all our mothers and fathers out there and so we'll have information on that coming up in uh, just a few minutes as we roll on with more of the y'all show stay with us my family but last week mm, not so much they blew through our shared data again then we switched to boost and got unlimited gigs plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family <laughs> for a great price so now i love them all again we just needed a switch switch to boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just a hundred dollars a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line Plus, get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. Welcome back to Y'all, the show all about y'all. John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of our very first Y'all show. Should be a whole lot of fun here as we promote the South and talk about the South. And hey, if we don't stand up for Dixie, then who the heck is? So glad you're listening in. And even if you're not a Southerner, well, we welcome you to listen in because we feel like the South is the trendsetter for the entire country. You know, what other part of the country has its own subgroup of food southern food that is and all the the delicacies that come along with that somebody get me a sweet tea right now <laughs> i need it although i'll be honest with you like most southerners as we go get a little older in life we we sometimes uh well we we gain a few pounds and we 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 have a chance of uh unfortunately getting diabetes so i'm not there yet 
but I do know that as I age, and, and many of you can probably relate, probably not best to, 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 to have a sweet tea that's 100% sugar. You probably need to mix in some unsweet tea at some point in your life if you have to. I know, I know that's terrible. I, I've got to give Moe's, the, the fast food chain that kind of does Tex-Mix, a lot of credit. I was in a Moe's recently, and they have their tea that's quite good, by, by the way. They have their tea labeled, if you go in there to get refills, they have an unsweet and they have a sweet tea. But they don't just have it like that. They've got, for sweet tea, it's got sweet tea and then below it, southern tea. And then for the unsweet tea, they have northern tea. So they're having some fun with the whole north-south thing in Moe's uh, in their, their locations across the south. So uh, good stuff there. And hey, it's Monday. And they're not a sponsor, but Moe's, you should be. And if you haven't heard about this, across the, the region on Mondays, Moe's has what they call Moe's Monday. And they have an incredible deal for like seven bucks. You can get a burrito and a drink and chips and salsa. And it's like $7 total. A couple of dollars off their normal price on Mondays, Moe's Monday. And it is a, a really... It's pretty amazing to go get up completely full these days for less than 10 bucks, and you can do that at Moe's. So check it out, and when you go in the door, you should hear this, so turn your radio down if you need to. Welcome to Moe's! Uh, yes, if you have a Moe's nearby, check it out. If not, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is Monday, so we're going to kind of do a little weekend review, not just a, a daily news blast here, but we're going to tell you about maybe some of the things going on nationally that we needed to pass along your way. And, well, the biggest story nationally going on is down on the border, the, the border with Mexico, that is, and the fact that there are children that are being taken away from their parents. And it sounds terrible. It is terrible. We, 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 I can't imagine what it would be to be separated from my child and my child be in a government's custody for more than five seconds. Even the United States government you have to wonder if if, uh, if your child gets taken away by any government authority for a certain period of time, what can happen. But it, it, it is bad. Even President Trump has said it's a bad thing. But illegal kids and their parents are at the border as the administration has a zero-tolerance immigration policy. It's bad optics. Let's just be honest. It doesn't look good. Now, let's do what we do best on the show, and that's not bore you with continuous coverage of stuff you can get on 20 other channels. Let's talk about stuff that's going on in the South that maybe is quite interesting, newsworthy, or bizarre. And we'll start off in the great state of Georgia, where this headline caught my attention going through the news today. Georgia woman strangles rabid bobcat while her young granddaughter slept. This happened in the mountains of North Georgia, a lady uh, grandmother was stepping outside to take a picture when she was attacked by a rabid bobcat. Ooh, bobcats are bad, but a rabid bobcat, oh my goodness, can't imagine. You know, I've only seen a bobcat, I think, once in my life, and I'm in my mid-40s, and they're around, but they are elusive little boogers, let me tell you that. So, Dee Dee Phillips said she had just put the bumper sticker, women who behave rarely make history on her car and then I'm so whoa sorry on the back of her new truck and she wanted to snap a photo when she was confronted by this rabid bobcat she told WGCL TV and as soon as she took the first step 
she said she was in trouble and she knew it. It leapt on her and she grabbed it by the shoulders and pushed it back away from her and it and took it down. And she was able to get her hands around the bobcat's throat and strangled it. She said, quote, if I had ever let it go, it would have been me. So I made sure I never let it go. And to add the, to the terror of the attack, her five-year-old granddaughter was sleeping inside her home. And she said she started praying, don't let her come to the door, her granddaughter that is. And she said that she didn't scream during the entire ordeal for fear of waking her grandchild. Now that is one lady with some kahunas, let me tell you like that. Dee Dee Phillips in North Georgia strangling a bobcat. Amazing stuff. I don't ever want to run across a bobcat. I'm sure you don't either, but a certainly one rabid. Wow, what a uh, what a scary situation there in North Georgia. I don't have a town. I just know it happened somewhere north of Atlanta, and uh, that is a, a pretty bizarre story right there. All right, let's move across North Georgia into the volunteer state where we've got some news of a former UT ladies head basketball coach, basketball legend Pat Summit. We're going to tell you about her in just a second. But first, over to West Tennessee, where this is more of a business story, but a, a feel-good story going on in the world of business in West Tennessee. An electric motor production company is going to be adding on in Lexington, Tennessee. Lexington is, oh, roughly halfway between Nashville and Memphis, just off of I-40 near Jackson, Tennessee. And this company is going to be adding a bunch of jobs at their plant there in West Tennessee. So that is good news there. The Nidic Motor Company is going to be adding 300 jobs to its plant there in Lexington, and it's going to be an investment of $18 million. So good news there in West Tennessee with the electric motor producer expanding. In Middle Tennessee, let's go to Clarksville, where Pat Summit, legendary Tennessee women's head basketball coach, She's going to be remembered with a, a, a great thing there in Clarksville. She's going to have a plaza and a statue placed in her memory in Clarksville. It's going to be unveiled in Clarksville's Liberty Park, where Olympic gold medalist Wilma Rudolph is also recognized. Coach Summit was remembered with statues already in Knoxville and Tennessee Martin, where she was a player there for the Skyhawks, the former Pacers, back in the 1970s. And this new statue of Coach Summit was unveiled Friday of last week. So Pat Summit being remembered in Clarksville, Tennessee, there with a very good thing, a statue. Let's now go to West Fork, Arkansas, where police went to tell a lady that her husband had committed suicide. They knock on the door, and then they find her body in a freezer. And they think that her husband is the one who put her there. Lawrence Bruick, 56, killed himself back on June 10th near Mount Magazine in western Arkansas. And authorities were trying to notify his next of kin, who was his wife, Lori Bruick. And when they failed to make contact for her day, they, they went indoors and they looked through the windows and could see signs that she did live there in the house. And unfortunately, when they went into the garage, they discovered signs of an altercation. And then they found Bruick's body inside a chest freezer. Just a horrible thing coming out of Arkansas with this what appears to be murder-suicide. But I've, I've not heard of one quite taking the turn like that. Now to the capital of the Palmetto State. And one of the most 
popular restaurants in Columbia, South Carolina, California Dreaming. Well, they had a fire there on Sunday night, and it was reported around 10 o'clock, and seems to have done a good bit of damage. No one was hurt. That's good news. And California Dreaming is a chain of restaurants. You can find them in Georgia, South Carolina, maybe other states, but a very upscale restaurant, and it uh, has a lot of clientele because it's near the University of South Carolina's campus, so not a good thing if you're a, a diner at California Dreaming there in Columbia, South Carolina, who, oddly enough, their motto in Columbia is famously hot, and they kind of play off a burning aspect since Columbia was burnt to the ground by William Tecumseh Sherman during the Civil War. Well, a fire there at one of their more popular restaurants, California Dreaming. We hope that restaurant gets back on the ground soon and not sure of all the damage, but it looks like there will be closed for at least some time as they sift through the ashes. And finally, in the Yellowhammer state of Alabama, you know, where football is, is king, we know that. Alabama, of course, the defending national champion. But let's say there's one thing that the Crimson Diet is not number one at, but they have been in the past, and that is in attendance. Alabama falls from number one in college football's attendance last year. And the reason for that, well, they played one less football game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So that hurt them as they finished up, I think, number two in college football attendance for last year. They are expected to have another banner season this year. I'm going to see them play in person in late November in Tuscaloosa. So uh, I'll be able to report how well they're doing there. Just looking at some other schools and the state of Alabama for their attendance figures. The University of West Alabama, which is a Division II school, drew nearly 37,000 fans for seven home games. The Samford Bulldogs out of the Southern Conference, uh, they have a stadium there just outside of downtown Birmingham that, eh, rather a small stadium, just about 5,400 there, but they had 32,000 uh, fans there for the Samford Bulldogs, 32,000 for six home games and some other attendance figures. Miles College drew nearly 34,000 for their games in 2017. I'm still looking to see what the Plainsmen of Auburn had last year. Well, first off, let me give UAB some credit. They drew 158,252 fans in their first season back. That's an average of 26,375 fans for the Blazers during their six home games of 2017. This is a, t a the program that was shut down and they were able to come roaring back. So I'll give the Blazers credit there at Legion Field for having a very good season of, uh, of attendance figures as they made their return to college football. Auburn, they were one of 12 sco schools in the country to draw more than a million fans and they were able to have a total of 1.1 million fans in, in the attendance for 13 games. They had 605,000 in seven games, an average of 86,446. That was 13th nationally for attendance uh, in for the Plainsmen of Auburn, the, the Auburn Tigers, that is. So some attendance numbers coming out of the state of Alabama for all of you college sports fans. And we'll have some more college sports talk coming your way in hour two as we'll go through what's going on in Omaha and much, much more. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to dairy farmer Michael Ferguson of the Dairy Alliance and get his take on dairy tariffs. Is that good? Is that bad? How does that affect the South? We'll be back with more of the Y'all Show after this break.
Oh, yeah, John Anderson, money in the bank, and that's something we could all benefit from, I'm sure. This is the Y'all Street Business Report here on the Y'all Show, and on this segment we talk about things going on financially in all terms of industries, and, and so we, if you like money or you want to make more of it or you want to know what's going on with businesses, this is your spot on the Y'all Show, Y'all Street. And we're right now going to take Y'all Street to North Mississippi, and we're going to go to Senatobia, Mississippi, to be exact. And we're going to be joined now by Michael Ferguson. He's a dairy farmer with Peyton Road Dairy. And he's going to come on and tell us all about the industry that we know of as uh, dairy farming. Michael, welcome into the Y'all Show. Well, thanks, uh, John. Uh, uh, you know, those talks about uh, making money and all of that, I'm not so sure that now is a good time to be talking to a dairy farmer. Oh, well, that's one reason we got you on. We'll, we'll go ahead and start with the serious stuff and then segue to the uh, more fun part of your job, I hope. But uh, one reason we asked you on, Michael, was we, we know that in the last couple of weeks we've had a little bit of a dust-up with Canada over dairy tariffs or proposed dairy tariffs or who knows what's going to end up happening. But uh, wanted to find out from a dairy farmer like yourself, and you've got over 110 dairy animals on your farm there in North Mississippi, what impact does a trade brouhaha with Canada in terms of dairy have on someone like yourself? Well, John, the, the major issue is years ago when when uh, I was growing up and I grew up on a dairy farm, uh, you know, the, the local market pretty much determined your pricing. Uh, that's not the case any longer. Any farmer out there basically uh, is in a – we are in a global market. And so anything that happens in China or Canada or Mexico or the, or the European Union uh, affects the local price because uh, exports are such a tremendous portion of, of the dairy market. Uh, during the month of April, uh, we had 18.8% of, uh, of the product that was produced in the U.S. exported. So when you have an issue uh it's going to affect you now how much uh is debatable uh this this issue with canada that we're currently in uh i i, I personally don't think that's going to be a big uh, uh bump in the road uh the the Canadian market has always been a hard market for us to 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 be involved in uh they have a uh, supply management system in their dairy industry up there that we don't have in the U.S. U.S. has always been uh, a market where uh, it's been basically supply and demand uh, has determined the market. Uh, up in Canada, that's not been the case. They have been very protective of their markets down through the years. Uh, Mexico is a different uh, situation. Uh, uh, Mexico has been much more friendly to to U.S. dairy, as uh, uh, and, and it's much more. It would be much more of a concern if we had that issue with Mexico as opposed to Canada. Canada has been a, a pretty unfair trading partner down through the years, but it does affect us at the local level because everything is priced uh, from a, a global perspective. Uh, the last drop of milk that is, is sold in California uh, will it would a lot of times 
determine hip determined the price that I received on my farm. The only the only individuals who are not really affected a whole lot by that. We have a lot of little startup farms now. Uh, several, you know, to, that are, are actually in just one little local market. They serve the local uh, farmers markets and you know a few of the locals' restaurants. Those are not affected nearly as much as uh, the larger um, dairies. Okay. Well, Michael, I was going to tell you something that you may not have heard, and it's maybe totally untrue, but I've, I saw an interview last weekend with someone running for prime minister of Canada, and they, they were very pro-U.S., but they were a Canadian and, and, and all that. And they were telling me, they were, I think they, they weren't telling me, they were, I saw it on television, but they were mentioning, and this is a conservative person running for prime minister, that the reason that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau there in Canada was even getting into this with Trump was because he's from Quebec and Quebec is the leading province in Canada for dairy farmers and so he needs that Quebec vote to be able to maintain his role as Prime Minister of Canada. Don't know if you've heard that, just throwing that out there, but politics is a big part of what's going on between the two countries on, on this whole dairy dust up. Yeah, well, I, I have heard uh, the Canadian, uh, I'd say the majority of the Canadian milk is produced in two provinces up there, and I'm not exactly sure which ones there are, but that stands to reason yeah. that, uh, uh, listen, down through history has shown us that uh, when you go into the world market, uh, it's going to be affected by every uh, deal that Dairy has been um, basically the stepchild of when when we need a new military base or we need something, a bargaining chip somewhere in the world for something or other. Uh, the farmer, uh, not only dairy, but the farmer is generally one that's, uh, that gets traded off a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Well, here in the south, the leading dairy state is Florida, followed by Georgia. Now, Michael, I was going to ask you, is the South, I'm, I'm guessing here, maybe the second leading region in the Ameri in, in the country for dairy, or, or where do we stack up compared to the Midwest <laughs> or the Northeast or whatever? No, John, that, 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 uh, uh, we're, we're actually probably the least producing area when, when it comes to uh, the situation where you've got uh, um, a very small amount of production in the Southeast. And you've got, uh, I, I know you can preclude Florida and just the nine state region that, that uh, I cover as a director for a, a dairy promotion group. Uh, we have uh, it, around 27, 28% of the population and we only have the milk production in that area that covers maybe 47 to 48% of the, uh, of the uh, uh, consumption. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of milk that's brought into the southeast and you're gonna i know what your next question is probably going to be you're going to ask me why is the production so much less here um walk outside today that's what i was cattle, afraid you're going to tell me <laughs> cattle cattle do not like heated humidity this is a terrible time to be trying to get milk to beg to get milk out of an animal mm. uh, the summer is is brutal not only on people, but animals alike. But we, we treat our animals uh, very well. I mean, we try to keep them as cool as possible uh, and during various methods. Uh, 
Uh, now, my operation is is a grazing operation. Ma- mainly, my cows eat grass, and I supplement it with hay, uh, especially during certain times of the year. I feed them a little grain, and we have some confined areas. I mean, some confined operations. What I mean by that is they have housing for them. They have fans. They have misters, all of these type of uh, situations. Uh, Of course, that's a lot more capital investment. So you have different styles. uh, You've got different uh, uh, philosophies. Uh, but my personal uh, uh, operation is is a lot of grass, a lot of hay, and a little grain. We're talking with Michael Ferguson of Peyton Road Dairy in Senatobia, Mississippi. He has 110 dairy animals on his farm. And, uh, Michael, I, I look forward to you building a dome one day and having your all of your animals indoors with air conditioning. Well, uh, that would be uh, a dream come true, I would suppose. <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't. Uh, in, in my stage of the game, uh, I think I'm going to stay where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Tell us, for those of us who may be a little bit dairy cow challenged, is there a, a common type of cow that is a dairy cow on your farm? Well, uh, mainly what I have are, are Holstein. That's Holstein. the big black and white animals. And I have some crossbreeds that uh, will be mixed and, and have some Jersey mixed in there with them or some Brown Smiths. But uh, if, you, if you're ever close to a dairy and you see the animals out there, if you're, the, the Jerseys are a little smaller animal. Uh, they're they're uh, basically brown, uh, and uh, they, they tolerate the heat a little better. Okay. And uh, so uh, – that but – Holstein is a predominant breed followed closely by Jersey, especially in the southeast. Okay. Well, again, uh, we, we love our farmers, and, and I grew up on a vegetable farm, so you're probably thinking I had it easy growing up. But uh, I did have it easy in one way compared to you, and that is my alarm clock probably didn't go off quite as early. Tell us about a typical day of what you go through when you get up, when you go to bed. All right. Well, uh um, it's early to bed and early to rise. I, I generally get up in the range of uh, 345 to 4 o'clock, somewhere in that range. Uh, other dairies, uh, well, there's one dairy in our county that actually milks three times a day. Now, I only milk twice, and my, my closest neighbor only milks twice. But there's one that milks three times a day, and they're practically 24 hours a day. Uh, it's a larger operation. But uh, my personal thing is it, I try to get out. Uh, of course, naturally, it takes you a while to start stirring at my age. And then uh, we uh, uh, get out and uh, get at it around 4.15, 4.30. And uh, we don't go as long as we used to. I used to go till 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night. But now, around 6.30 or 7 o'clock, we're through. And uh, uh, if there's not an emergency or something and uh, – uh, try to get into bed around uh, nine thirty or nine fifteen if I can. Mm. So it's a it's a pretty long day. Well, uh, you definitely put in a hard day's work, and this is not a job in, in dairy farming that you can take off a couple of months out of the year. You, this is, seems like a must be a almost every day, all day long, all year long. Yeah, it's it's three hundred sixty five days a year. In my case, twice a day. Uh, I've got uh, a, a little uh, 
helped uh, a couple of guys that uh, one part time and one full time, and uh, uh, we we're 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 there every day. Man. We we are. Well, you probably love milk, right? And you probably yes. love all dairy products. So uh, tell now me. You and, and and let me tell you something. Now there are some people who have some issues with certain milks, but but it's it's nature's most perfect food. And think of all the good products that come out of there. Uh, cheese, ice cream, yogurts, uh, the smoothies, uh, any, any, anything is better with dairy. And uh, I'll promise you there's not a more pure uh, uh, – the, the tests that our products go through uh, are, are uh, fantastic. We have the safest, uh, most wholesome product uh, in the world. And, and that's one of the reasons I was, I was earlier, I was talking about the exports. That's one of the reasons that uh, the world really wants us dairy because they know the testing that goes on for our products, uh, to make sure they're, they're pure and wholesome. And the whole world is stands in line to buy us dairy. And that's the reason. And our consuming public should very much feel uh, safe when they, they pick up that fresh gallon of milk or, or, uh, uh, a, a, a pound of cheese or something because it's it's I promise you it's pure and wholesome. Correlating dairy to gasoline, where do we stand currently with the prices of dairy products? Are they typically about where they normally are? Or are they a little high, a little low? Well, it's it's we've seen the last two months we've seen just a slight bump. Before that, uh, it was at the lowest point in probably fifteen years. Uh, it's a supply and demand market, but what people, uh, and, and therefore it's hard for dairy farmers to understand that we have a, a like a one and a half percent surplus and over, over that, what I'm talking about is production over the consumption. And if we have that much, it can affect a price on the market of four to $5 per hundred weight, which is 35% or 40% of the actual farm price of milk. And uh, so you're, you're really at the mercy of the market. And, and farmers, we're an unusual lot. We, uh, we think the solution for high prices is more product. And we think the solution for low prices is more product. And I know you're thinking, well, you're idiots. And we basically... <laughs> Uh, shoot ourselves in the foot at times, but uh, in the Canadian system that you were alluding to earlier, they do have those production controls, and it keeps that uh, uh, price a little higher. But, uh, you know, if you look at your, your grocery list and what you pay for in this country, what we pay for your groceries and, and, your, and the food that goes on your table, we're so blessed. To, to live in a in a system like this because you get the best not only the best products but you get it uh, by just a fraction of what the other uh, countries in the world have to pay for their foodstuffs. Wow. Well, you know what, Michael, I don't want to drive prices up anymore. I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do best with your Holsteins, and we'll keep those prices for for the folks like me kind of where they are. 
And we can't uh, thank you enough for coming on the Y'all Show and giving us a little bit of a glimpse of, of dairy and the pricing and, and, and all that goes into putting milk on our table or in cheese or my favorite, ice cream. Michael Ferguson of Peyton Road Dairy, thank you for being on the Y'all Street Business Report. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, tout dairy. All right. Everybody stay where you are. That wraps up hour one of today's Y'all Show. Coming up in hour two, we're going to have short stories with Jerry Short and a look around at what's going on in sports. The Mississippi State Bulldogs and Arkansas Razorbacks are 1-0 in Omaha. And we'll tell you all about it in hour two. This is the Y'all Show. Stay with us. I don't know how else to say this, so I'll just say it. What is it, Linda? I think we should see other people. Are you breaking up with me on a roller coaster? Well, we do have a lot of fun. Maybe we should stay together. An emotional roller coaster? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. I just need a little me time. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the Brotherhood of Muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to Y'all, the show about the South. Your host, John Rawl, and it is another hour of the Y'all show. Thanking you for being with us on this first show of Y'all. Yes, you're part of history on this exciting show all about the 16 southern states where they all talk Y'all. Coming up this hour on the Y'all show, we'll have Jerry Short in our segment called Short Stories, where he'll tell you amazing tales from his life in the South. And we'll also have in this segment here, a look at all the exciting sports stuff going on in the South. And we're back here. Thank you for being with us an hour or two of today's show. A Monday, hopefully everything went well for you and it's a good, good weekend for you. Father's Day. I know I was able to spend time with my eight-year-old son, and hopefully you out there had time to spend with your own child, or if you are a child, you got a, at least a visit or phone call in to your parent as it was a very special, very hot Father's Day 2018 across most of the South, but always a nice thing. Good to see the Major League Baseball out there giving a salute to dads and wearing the colors for prostrate awareness. So it is a, a good thing to do that each and every year on this unofficial holiday, Father's Day and Mother's Day, of course, not long ago. We're going to have Jerry Short coming up, but right now in this segment, we're going to talk some sports. It was a another big weekend in sports in golf, and we'll tell you about the U.S. Open, a Southerner taking the crown on Long Island. We'll tell you about that. Also, we'll look around Major League Baseball, some excitement in Atlanta for the Bravos. But speaking of baseball, we'll start out this segment talking college baseball as 
A couple of Southern teams have found their way to Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series. And we'll start out with some of the games that happened on Saturday. It was a big win for Mississippi State, a game that was scoreless until the ninth inning. And they were playing UW, the Washington Huskies out there at uh, the TD Ameritrade, TD Ameritrade Park, I think it's what it's called now, the old Rosenblum, Rosenblatt Stadium, uh, I think is uh, torn down now. But this is the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs who have had a Cinderella season. Let's give the dogs credit. They started out this year after the first weekend of college baseball in mid-February. They had to fire their head coach who had only been there one year for personal reasons. He was doing things with another staffer and it was looked down upon and they came to an agreement and he was he was let go. Now the athletic director of Mississippi State is former baseball coach John Cohen who took the dogs to the College World Series about five years ago and after the uh, former athletic director moved on to the University of Far Florida, Scott Strickland, then Cohen segued from baseball coach to athletic director. So here's someone who knows an awful lot about college baseball. And so he's the head coach and he has to let go his coach for some, some things that you just don't probably need to be doing in, in college sports in 2017, 2018 school year. And so they, they, they lose their coach and they have to go to an interim coach. Now to state's credit, their interim coach was a darn good guy who came from Kentucky. He was the head coach of the Kentucky baseball team for many years, Gary Henderson. And Coach Henderson had done some really good things at Kentucky with his Batcats, I think is the affectionate name for Kentucky baseball. And so he had been an assistant coach in Starkville with the Mississippi State head coach that was let go. And he comes to Starkville and takes over in a crazy weekend where they lost their opening series. And it was just bad news if you're a Mississippi State baseball fan. This is a program with a proud history. And they've been to the World Series, I think this week is their 10th appearance in, in Omaha. Uh, but they've had so many great players through the years. Incredible attendance numbers for MSU in baseball. They're proud of their left field lounge, I think is what it's called, and their jalopies that are out there. They have lots of fans that, uh, that follow Mississippi State baseball. And so it was not looking good for MSU in February. It was not looking good for MSU in uh, March, in April. And then they turned it around and they started winning. And to their credit, they had some players, uh, Elijah McNamee, I think is his last name, he didn't hit a home run until May. And then he comes off and ends up being a, an amazing player in the game against Florida State with a walk-off win. When State was down to their last strike, they knock off Florida State in the regional in Tallahassee and advance. They get out of there. They beat Oklahoma. And then they knock off Vanderbilt in a super regional in Nashville and as a result go to the College World's, College World Series. And, State was a team that many weren't even sure they were going to make it to the SEC tournament in Hoover, and then certainly had an uphill climb to even get their ticket punched to the, uh, the NCAAs at all. And here they are in Omaha, and they've already won their first game 
out in Omaha against Washington. So good news for the SEC in terms of MSU winning and moving on to the winner's bracket. They're going to take on UNC, and that game will be a 7 o'clock game on today, on tonight. That, that game's coming on tonight, UNC in Mississippi State. UNC is a national seed. They are number six. They were able to take down Oregon State in their opening game on Saturday. And now Oregon State and Washington facing off this afternoon in a Pac-12 clash of who's going to stay and who's going to go home because, again, it's a two-loss situation out in Omaha. So those uh, two teams this afternoon, then MSU and North Carolina going off against each other tonight. That's going to be a 6 o'clock Central Time start there in Omaha, Mississippi State, North Carolina. North Carolina, a team that's been to Omaha but has still yet to clinch it in recent years. They, I know, played for the national championship five years ago maybe and uh, just couldn't get it done. So ACC, SEC coming up tonight. Now going back to Sunday and then what's going to happen on Tuesday – Florida was beaten by Texas Tech. The Gators, the number one overall seed, they weren't able to get it done against the Red Raiders. So they're going to face off against Texas tomorrow. The Longhorns were defeated by Arkansas. So the SEC's Razorbacks able to pull off a win against their longtime Southwest Conference rival. They defeated the Longhorns 11-5 on Sunday afternoon. And that, that game had a nearly three-hour rain delay in the middle of the eight-run sixth inning for the Hogs. So Arkansas moves to the winner's bracket, and they'll face off against the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and that game's Tuesday at 6 p.m. Omaha time, and another good game there expected between Arkansas Red Raiders and the Red Raiders on Tuesday. So good news coming out of Omaha for two of the three SEC teams, Florida, who needs to stay alive with a win against Texas on Tuesday. Now, other college news to pass along. Speaking of the Red Raiders in football, how about this? They got a commitment over the weekend from a six foot eleven offensive tackle named Trevor Robertson. And he is from Wellington, Texas, and he committed on Saturday. What a gigantic person. He weighs three hundred and fifty five pounds as an offensive lineman. And he's going to be playing for the Red Raiders in Lubbock, assuming everything goes well here this coming year. The Red Raiders have now six total commitments for the 2019 class. And what makes him special, again, is his size. If you see his picture with his family that he tweeted out, it, it uh, he's a big old boy. I know Texas, they grow them big. But my goodness, this kid, Trevor Robertson, six foot 11. I've always thought in football... They ought to have somebody around seven foot tall and put them out as a wide receiver, especially on those big downs that are like third and one or fourth and two. And, and the reason is so many, if not almost all, of your defensive playmakers now are, are fast. I'll give them credit. They're super fast. But most of them are short. And so what if a quarterback simply stepped back and threw the ball high to a gigantic wide receiver that's not very athletic, but all he's got to do is catch it and fall down. There you have it, first down. I, I, I Call me crazy. I just think there should be 
someone on an offensive unit who's a gigantic person in terms of height, and then it doesn't matter if they're fast. They can just fall down or they can fall out of bounds, whatever the case may be. But so many times football comes down to a simply getting a yard or two or three, and it's a lot easier when you're, you're, you're like two feet taller than your defensive opponent. Good news there from a recruiting standpoint for the Red Raiders of the Big 12. Now to golf. I spent way too much time this weekend watching golf, and I love it. It's a lot of fun to watch, but uh, Brooks Kepka wins the U.S. Open, and he, as a result, he gets 600 FedEx points, and he takes home $2.1 million for his first-place capture. He repeats as U.S. Open champion, by the way. So a great job there by the Floridian. He lives in Jupiter. And his bestest buddy on the PGA Tour is Dustin Johnson. And the South Carolina native, he finished third. And many thought that Dustin Johnson would take this crown after what he had done the first three rounds. But Dustin, his short game just was not there on Sunday. And he missed some, some gimmies, frankly. And it cost him, he finishes third. Tommy Fleetwood of England, the long-haired, bearded one. And you couldn't help but think of uh, Jesus when he was out there playing because he kind of, if you, if you take the golf attire off and put him in a robe, he looks pretty much like Jesus. Tommy Fleetwood, he finishes second in the U.S. Open, and he takes home $1.2 million as a result. And he moves up in the FedEx points as well. So two Southerners there in the top three. Patrick Reed, the Houston resident and former golfer at Augusta State University and national champion golfer for Augusta State. He finishes fourth, the Masters champ. Had a chance there in the back nine, but just couldn't get it going and fell apart with some errors, and he finishes fourth. Utah's Tony Finau is number five in the final standings of the U.S. Open. Phil Mickelson, of course, made a lot of news over the weekend with what he did in the third round, hitting a ball in motion and being penalized two strokes. So um, not, uh, not good for him, of course. That other golfer that's won a bunch of stuff, he was cut on Friday. So I'm not going to spend my whole time talking about him as most other sports outlets. That's all they talk about. Uh, we'll mention this, a guy that has won a national championship on the college front played in the U.S. Open, and he didn't do as good as many expected. He finished 76-73 and was cut uh, after the second round. Braden Thornberry, the Ole Miss golfer who is uh, 2017's national champ, played in this U.S. Open as an amateur and ended up being cut. So good news there for a couple of Southerners with a good week there in the Long Island area of New York at the U.S. Open. And golf's now next major championship is going to be next month, the Open Championship across the pond. Finally, let's take a look at some Major League Baseball action from this past weekend. And most people in the South like the Atlanta Braves, and the Braves had a good weekend. They lost their first game against the Padres Friday, but came back with some dramatic wins Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's win... Nick Marquecas, he saved the game for the Bravos with a diving catch with two outs and a couple of runners on for San Diego in the bottom, uh, in the top of the ninth, rather. And his diving catch there by the first baseline was able to uh, come off with a victory. And the, the Cobb County native was the hero. And the Braves 
took, a, took the series over San Diego, and as a result, they're looking quite good as the Nationals lost some games in Toronto, I think it was, they were playing this past weekend. Looking at the NLE standings, the Braves are three and a half games in front of the Nationals right now with a 42-29 and 29 mark. The Phillies behind the Nats, then you got the Mets and Marlins. Looking at the NL Central, and the team leading the way is the Milwaukee Brewers. They have a, a short lead over Chicago. The Cards four games back in the NL Central. And then you've got the Pirates and Reds down toward the bottom. Over in the West, the story there continues to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. They lead the NL West. And the Junior League, the national, the, um, the best team in baseball actually is the New York Yankees. And they had a... A, a decent weekend. They did lose their Sunday game, but they still kind of, along with the Red Sox, lead the AL East. The Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to win Sunday. They they are right behind. Uh, but, but when I say right behind, 15 games back along with the Jays in the AL East and Baltimore. Man, the Orioles, what's going on with Showalter's club? They are 20 and 50 overall, 27 and a half games back of the leaders, Yankees and Red Sox. Cleveland Indians taking control of the AL Central and in the AL West. Still a little bit of a dogfight between the Astros and the Mariners. And the Astros right now on an 11-game win streak. Congratulations. They continue to be uh, the defending World Series champs, a power in baseball, and a great uh, great thing going. What a what an incredible, incredible run they, are, they have had and are continuing to have the Houston Astros. We'll take a break here on the show. When we come back, we're going to have Jerry Short join us, and we'll have short stories with Jerry, and you don't want to miss it. This is the Y'all Show on a Monday. Stick around. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family <laughs> for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831.18. First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. 
As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. This is Y'all. Hello there. Welcome back to our premiere week of the Y'all Show. I'm your host, John Raw. We talk all things Southern on this show. And, you know, one of the great things about our South is storytelling. And especially if that storytelling has got some bit of truth to it. And so when we came up with a battle plan for the Y'all Show, we looked high and low. And we ultimately found a gentleman from Takapola to come on our show and talk all things Southern. And that's Jerry Short. So let's go to Takapola and find out what our storyteller, our Southern storyteller, you can give Tom T. Hall a run for his money, Jerry. Jerry Short, welcome into the Y'all Show. John, I'm glad you got another show on it. Couldn't have picked a better name than y'all. You know, <laughs> I love y'all. Yes. So, uh, as far as giving Tom T. Hall, I don't. Uh, I had a band director one time tell me I couldn't carry a tune in a paper bag. So I may be out of luck on Tom, and he's got some good stuff. Yeah, well, his nickname, if you're not familiar with Tom T. Tall, is the old storyteller. Uh, he does a good job. I like some of his stuff. Watermelon yeah. wine is a good one. We'll, yeah, we'll put that's that, a good one. We'll put that in our playlist here at the Y'all Show. But uh, no, I think that's a good one. I've been, had the pleasure of knowing Joe, Jerry, for a long time, and we've been to many of our southern states together and felt like it would be only appropriate if we could turn our many, many, probably years of conversation into something we can actually put on record here on the Y'all Show, and we're glad to have you on here. Hope hope you've had a good weekend and getting ready for a big week this week. Well, things were going pretty good, John, and this morning, uh, yeah, I'm really kind of down. I one of my friends for years and years, I at once upon a time, I was uh, land acquisition, timber acquisition with one of the major uh, paper companies in the country and had a young man I trained as a forester. He dropped dead this morning hmm. at 63 years old. And, uh, you know, if, if talking stories, uh, you know, it gives me chills to think about him now, but you know, we've had some good stories together, and, you know, you want to think of the good stuff, and... Uh, what was your friend's you know, first I, name? His first name his, his first name was Brad, Brad. B-R-A-D, okay. right? And uh, he, he went on, and I, I left that company when I had 20 years and went in business for myself, and he stayed on and retired and was actually working with uh, the Mississippi National Guard. Uh, for another 20 years, which he didn't need, but about another year, and he would have had that. But uh, anyway, uh, a few things that when I look back and think of him, you know, it's it's good and it's bad. And one thing is kind of funny, but it was kind of bad on my part. Uh, 
we were training him and we closed a wood yard down a pupwood yard back in the day when you cut pupwood five and a half feet long and you load it with your shoulder and you threw it up on a truck and carried it to the wood yard and they scaled it with a stick and it didn't weigh it by the ton it was by the cord and, and um We'd closed the yard in Louisville, Mississippi, and we all had uh, uh, company vehicles, and we were moving all that equipment away from down there. And I was kind of in charge, and and I loaded my vehicle up, and the other worker loaded his vehicle up, and and Brad didn't want to load his all the way up, and I let my temper kind of get away. I jumped up in the back of his truck. And, I told the laborer on their thing, hand me a hand me a desk, hand me a chair. And I loaded that truck of his completely up and he came up on top of the top up on the trailer and jumped up on the, in there with me and said he didn't want any scratches on his truck and I, I told him it was a company truck and uh, we were gonna load it and use it as such. And anyway, he grabbed me and tore my shirt and and we ended up in a little tussle. I kind of put my leg behind him and just kind of he hit the ground a little bit. And I said, well, let's just leave it at this. And when I got into the office the next day, the um, – Most places that would be that, a fireable offense, by the way. Uh, today, definitely. Now, we're talking about 1981 maybe, 82 or something. And uh, my boss was an ex-Marine – who had fought all over the South Pacific, and he told me stories that I cannot tell on this on your radio st- station that they did as jarheads on islands in the South Pacific. However, when I walked in the office the next morning, my secretary told me, Jerry, that uh, your boss, my boss, will be calling you in for a little. Uh, uh, she said, let's just leave it. Just he'll call you in. So he did. He buzzed me in my office, and I went up front, and we talked. We discussed what had happened, and after we discussed what had happened, he looked at me, and he said, Jerry, let me tell you, this is 1981 or two, and we can't handle these problems like we used to by physically oppressing someone. <laughs> you got to be a little bit more discreet this day and time. Now, he is, he's scared that you're going to hurt him, and what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to discipline you. And I saw my boss was biting his lip a little bit <laughs> and not wanting to do anything to me and because me and him were really tight. He had been a he had been a pallbearer for my mother in 1968 even, and I hardly knew him then because I just started to work for the company in 69. I just started to work for the company in 68, so I really liked him. He was kind of... It was kind of like a father I never had. Uh, but he said, um, tell you what, I've got to this. And then he finally, he just he kind of broke out in a, a light laugh. And he said, I know how you felt like I want to do that to him too. We can't <laughs> do that. So let me tell you, from, he says, I'm going to have to discipline you. And I'm going to have to tell him I put you on probation. And you're going to have to go back there and shake hands and apologize. So uh, I did. And. You know, we become such good friends. We were okay friends. You and Brad? Me and Brad become such good friends after that. Uh, after I had left this ma- this uh, major uh, paper company, I, uh, whose uh, national headquarters is not 
too far from where you're sitting right now. And uh, I had, uh, I was out in Idaho, and he called me, want to know, would I pick him up at, uh, would I pick, would I pick him up at Salt Lake City? He had never been in the Rocky Mountains and places, and he'd ride back home with me. And I said, sure, Brad, I'll do that. So I went down Salt Lake City when I left uh, Idaho, and I was thinking I was up at Twin Falls looking at uh, Evil Knievel's jump across the Snake River or something. And, and I actually had some business there, but I did I did go by that spot. But anyway, um, I picked him up, and we went on the first night we stopped. We stopped in a hotel, and all he had was one bed. Well, I got that room thinking that Brad would sleep on the floor or the couch or somewhere. I come out of the shower, and he'd spread eagle in the bed. Huh, it's like a scene out of Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, I said, Brian, I'm not going to sleep with a guy. He said, well, I'll get way over here. And so he slid over to the side, but I slept on the I slept on the floor that night. I put some pillars together and slept on the floor. But the next day we were on the north rim of the Grand Canyon, and we went by uh, Canal, Utah, and we went in a sandwich shop the next morning, and they, on the marquee, they had uh, uh, bologna, you know, was one of their sandwiches they had for a poor boy. And I, I told the lady, I said, I'd like that bologna with uh, tomato and blah. And Brad got all embarrassed. She said, what? I said, the bologna. I want bologna. And she said, I don't, we don't have bologna. And Brad said, Jerry. She means baloney. And I said, I've never heard of baloney. It's bologna. And it really got off with him. I think he got he got his red face as a red beak. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my bologna, I ended up getting a really nice bologna. Poor boy. Now, Jerry, <laughs> we've got you on this show to promote the South, not make us look like fools when we go beyond our southern borders. Well, now, I like for the molasses to run kind of deep because – I think people pre- appreciate that. I was on Bill Cunningham's show one night debating this, a gentleman. Bill Cunningham of Cincinnati Radio. Out of Cincinnati uh, WWL. And I stayed on with him for about an hour. And, and at the end of the thing, you know, I just knew that I had ruined the South with my accent. But uh, he told his guests that he said, I agreed with uh, about 95% of everything Jerry from Mississippi said. And maybe 5% of what you said as a professor at the University of Cincinnati. So sometimes molasses don't hurt too bad, John. Well, it sounds like you and Brad became great friends after you could arguably say you knocked some sense into him. Well, yeah. He tried to knock a little sense back into me. Just another quick story if you got time. We do. We we were cruising. Now, let, let let me stop here. This is 2018. I must say that we do not condone violence on the y'all show. No, this is this was semi. This would not be called violence unless unless you're protecting a mosquito. Okay, please uh, tell. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay. So anyway, um, we we were cruising a big track of timber for this timber company. And by cruising, I mean taking inventory, mm-hmm. where you take so many plots and you get a. You get an inventory of what kind of volumes on that, and then of course, obviously you you multiply that and come up with a total figure at the end of your thing per and value and whatnot. So 
it, it we were down around Philadelphia, Mississippi on the Pearl River, and it had a flood. So we had a we were doing like a two and a half percent cruise, which is you know about a uh, probably about two and a half mile or three mile long runs on this particular spot of ground we had, and we had to go all the way, and and we had to swim the Pearl River, and it was out of its banks. We had to swim it eight times that day. And he And this he is took, not a creek. Uh, this is a real river. This is the river, the Pearl River. It feeds the Barnett Reservoir. It is the state line going down into Louisiana and comes in down that way. It uh, mm-hmm. goes out in the Gulf of Mexico. It's, as a matter of fact, that's how our state uh, got its boundary by letting the barrel float down the Pearl River and the doggone thing took a left and went uh, out in front of the in front of the islands, and it cost us. It cost us. Cost Mississippi a lot of land. A hundred thousand acres of oil land. Because <laughs> the the uh, the Texaco oil rig. I mean Texaco. I'm sorry. The uh, BP oil rig. The deep well uh, explosion. I audited that thing down there, and it blew uh, out. It would have been in Mississippi. If that barrel would have went straight south, because that whale was just about due south of um, uh, Bay St. Louis. Hmm. So anyway, back to what Brad did. You know, mosquitoes was just—they were swarming, and they were eating me up. But you know, we had one boy and one crew. We'd, we'd divide up in two people to a crew, and I was training Brad then. So in the morning when we'd leave the hotel, we'd go out and we'd have our lunch and we'd have a little, you know, a little backpack and we'd have our lunch in our backpack. And so we were out there and one guy had a, mosquitoes were so bad, he'd put a towel, about two towels, and all you could see was his eyes. He'd wrap around his head <laughs> and he'd take a, a mixture. He was on a diet. He'd take a mixture of 7-Up of and put it in a liter bottle, which blew up one day on him it was so hot and anyway we were in there swimming and mosquitoes was just swarming me and brad couldn't stand it he had told me two or three times he said i can't stand this i'm gonna i'm gonna quit this job when this cruise is over with i can't stand this every day and um so and it was gonna be a pretty intense long time that we were gonna be there because it was a lot of acreage so anyway i'm at a area and after he had, uh, I swam across the river, and he had a tally book. I would, I would call out what the volume in the tree, and how many logs per tree, or how much whatever, in the in the species. And he would write it down, you know. And, and so we couldn't lose that for anything. But he was trying to swim that a river, and it was floating him on back down the river as the current was swift, and it was carrying him down river. And he threw that dang, I, I hollered, I said, Brad, throw that book. I don't care what happens to you. Throw the book, man. I got to have that information, that data we got to have. And he threw it, and I caught it right at the water's edge on the thing. And then I got him out. But but as we went on a few plots further on into the woods, all of a sudden he attacked me from behind, just slapping my head with paperwork and whatever he could get. And uh, I think he had a towel and and I, I said, what are you doing? And he said, I can't stand it. They're eating you up. And I said, Brad, if I knock these mosquitoes off of my head, I'm going to have another 100,000 on my head in another dang minute. So why knock any off? 
or some more coming back, you know. <laughs> so you got to live with it. So we'd get through, and every night he'd say, I'm quitting. But then the next day he'd work. <laughs> we finally got through with it. But he attacked me. So I, he might have had a little revenge factor. I thought he was overhitting for for mosquito kill, hmm. you know. <laughs> wow. Probably not. Probably not. Jerry Short with but, the stories of Brad here on the Y'all Show. and Brad. Yeah, and I know it's a sad thing. And I'm I'm working now here on the Kansas line, and, and I'm not going to be able to get back to the funeral. I've sent flowers and things. I'm a little melancholy today, so hmm. if you excuse me, I, maybe I'll be a little bit more upbeat uh, next time we talk. Well, we will definitely catch you up on that uh, and, and positive feelings in the future. But, Jerry, we're not done with you. We're going to take a break here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, as we remember Brad and your friendship with him, we're going to talk about something also that's giving you a little bit of a hard time these days. Air conditioning or the lack, mm. there, or the lack thereof and how important... <laughs> That is in the southeast this time of year. How in the world could anybody survive without it? We'll talk to Jerry Short more as Short Stories continues on the Y'all Show. Stay with us. back on the y'all show i'm john raw we appreciate you tuning us in as we have great conversation with our guests i don't think anybody can ever top this guy jerry short who's joining joining us with the short stories edition that we'll have on our show on a periodic basis and if you have a question or comment or suggestions anything out there for jerry or anything related to the y'all show we encourage you to check in with us here at 803 816-1170. That is our way to reach us here on the Y'all Show. If you have a question, comment, that is a number you can both call or if you want to leave us a message with a text or a voicemail, you can do that as well. Again, 803-816-1170. That is our number to call with questions, comments, feedback, just anything you want to relate. And I know Jerry would be happy to get your feedback about what all he's had to say here in our short stories feature of the Y'all Show. Okay, most of the South right now, it is blazing hot, and it will continue to get a little hot as we get through the summertime. And, hey, we haven't even even actually officially hit summertime, but it is the dog days of summer upon us, even though officially we're not quite into the summer. And Jerry and I have had many conversations about where in the world this region would be today if not for air conditioning. And, Jerry, we kind of feel sorry for you here at the Y'all Show because, unfortunately for you, your car air conditioner isn't quite working like it should this time of year. Well, it's like working uh, on a scale of zero to 100 is zero. Okay. And, and, so, and you're not you know, in Alaska right now. So unless you're in no, Alaska. I, mean, I, had a, I had a heat index of 102 today. And, uh, you know, what happened... I brought the pickup to work on this job. I'd run security for a uh, construction outfit. And uh, I was going to trade it before I left, but they didn't give me time to stay and do that. So I said, well, it'll be, everything will be fine. But it's kind of like a Jed Clampett. It's coming apart. 
and uh, this is a fairly new car that you have, so it's not like yeah, you have a, I mean, a jalopy. No, I mean it's just like unbelievable. You know, I need lemon stickers to put on it. You know, and uh, so uh, air conditioning went out, and uh, he said one thousand dollars, and I said, well, let me call my dealer because I'm going to trade when this job's over with in August. And my dealer said, if you can stand the heat, um, I just won't count off of that air conditioning. And I trust him, you know. Well, he's been pretty good. I bought a few vehicles from him. So we uh, we agreed to do that. And But, boy, is it hot. And it's hot now. My shirt turns into a sponge. But growing up in Tacopola and such places, you should get accustomed to that kind of lifestyle. I actually, the first uh, six months on the planet, <laughs> my daddy was fresh back from World War II, and we lived in a tent, a big army tent. And um, so... Uh, That's the true story, by the way, people. I've got photos to back it up of uh, me being so cute laying on the bed with uh, myself laying on my stomach, you know, those pictures. And, uh, you know, most, <laughs> most returning servicemen from World War II had a little bit of money in their pocket. Yeah, well, he put it up outside his daddy's house on the farm. We had a pretty good, pretty large farm in that area. Good many cattle, good, much, good bit of cotton, good bit of, good bit of other things, you know, that we also raised corn and whatever. And, but he was mostly a cattle guy, but he still liked that. But, you know, that, that was, that was hot, I'm sure. Because my mother, I know, didn't like it because she, I think she put an ultimatum down. She was a, more of a city girl. And uh, he met her in Memphis through his sister, who was in Memphis after World War II. We moved to Memphis in 49 or 50 and uh, and got out of that kind of heat. Now, you know, we, we stayed in, uh, after we left the, the tent, we, we stayed in sharecropper houses and things like that mm -hmm. you know that had newspapers on the wall and you know to block the air from coming in and out or whatever so we didn't live exactly like high on the hog but we did that and then we came to uh, como and other places and we always had to farm at taco polo because that had been in a family since uh civil war you know go back 150 years or so and so we always had that, and we always had cattle, and we always did things like that. But air conditioner, I remember, I guess the first air conditioner, John, that I ever had would have been, I may have been a senior in high school in 1964 before I ever had an air conditioner. And you didn't have air conditioner in your cars then. If you took a trip, your left arm was brown and your right arm was white. When you got home so uh because you had to get some air and they had the windows down and but right now you know as i talk to you now i'm you know i'm working right now i work seven days a week on this job as i'm talking to you now doggone it i'm a sponge i'm sweating and they don't have near the humidity out this way that we have but it gets pretty doggone hot so uh i feel sorry for you know, I, I talk every day with my son or who lives in Grenada or my daughter who lives in Grenada or 
someone down that direction and they tell me how hot it is so i know what that guy i think i think my son told me it's 108 hmm. uh heat index the other day in grenada and um so they they probably got a little bit worse than i've got it but they've got some some place to go hide and get away from and i don't so, yeah well you know, that's kind of where i stand on the on this dang heat wave that we're having it we're having it a little bit early this year you know it's normally normally i, I don't think of it getting this kind of humid and hot and this kind of heat index unless you live in south louisiana around Thibodeau or home uh, bayou lafouche or somewhere you know right or bayou terrebonne or one of those places you know now down there it's hot now it is really hot if you're not uh if you don't have anything to do about it right well, at I, this time i have nothing to do about it i must say that although you and i are a generation apart I went to college in South Carolina, and my college in the 1990s, the room I lived in and the building I lived in did not have air conditioning. So, yes, even in modern times, I would say uh, there are still plenty of places in the southeast that don't have air conditioning. Those are few and far between, and somehow you survive. Just like me, Jerry, uh, I didn't know the the difference between going to bed with a fan in the window or or having an air conditioner. You just kind of got used to it, especially if you didn't know better. Well, you were military, and you didn't have any uh, anything you could do. You know, you couldn't retaliate and say, hey, I want air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when I went to airborne school at Fort Bend in Georgia, old, uh, it would get so hot, but they wanted to keep you working all the time. If they could keep you uh, with fresh water on you, it was okay. So they had concrete uh, showers outside open, and uh, they would make you lay down and roll as they turn the showers on and then they would inspect you when you rolled out the other end to make sure you didn't have a dry spot on you that you had fresh cool water coming from those showers and then they could keep working you so you know you'd think you'd get used to it but you don't get used to that kind of stuff (laughs) you got to suck it up while it's going on and then start all over and do it again the same way well we must give a proper to salute on the Y'all Show to John Gorey, one of our Southerners who in the 1800s invented the machine to make ice and as a result, air conditioning came about. John Gorey is one of two Floridians whose statue is in Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. He lived in Apalachicola, Florida, down on the Gulf Coast of Florida. And without his invention, Lord knows what the South would be like, Jerry. Oh, I know I've been to Apalachicola a lot. And- uh, I guess they must have invented that so they could pack the shrimp and stuff down. But yeah. uh, you know that's uh, uh, that's a, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And uh, you know, there's always something you can learn. You know, that's uh, if you're a storyteller or just like to listen to stories, listen and learn something. You know, because uh, there's so many things out there that we take for granted today that. Uh, they shouldn't be taken for granted because whoever came before us, like the guy that you just mentioned, I'm sorry I didn't. John Gorey, G O R R I E, who died in 1855 in seclusion. His invention uh-huh. didn't really take off until after his death. In fact, they used his cooling system 
to try to keep James A. Garfield, the President of the United States, alive as he was dying in 1881. His invention really didn't really gain steam until his, after his death, but my goodness, John Gorey, such a huge part of the development of the entire world. Oh, I know, and he said probably no patent, no, you know, nothing that it, your family could even back that up with, and even though historically we know that now. But I'll tell you, if you don't have ice, where I learned a real valuable lesson about not having ice, I went to the Philippines about three years ago, and ice is, is like a, uh, boy, it is really a... Uh, An endangered species. Almost like having... Well, it's yeah. It's not, I don't know if it even gets that far up the list. It's uh, it's it's like having gold. I'd ask for ice. I'd ask for ice, and they would think they would be happy with me. And they'd, I think they was having to smuggle ice at the place that I was staying to get me more ice, and it would melt quick. And and um, but you just it, it you when it's hot and it's hot and humid in the Philippines, kind of like the, it is in the South. You need ice, <laughs> and you need, and you need something to cool with also, and you need a fan to blow across ice if you don't have an air conditioner. So, I, I uh, appreciate that lead in on that uh, situation with the heat because I, I wasn't taking it for granted. I was just trying to suffer through it. Well, we, we feel sorry for you, and hopefully Dr. John Gorey's invention will come back to life and, and help you out as you suffer through your automobile's lack of air conditioning right now. But luckily there's some good places you can sneak into if you need to be a, be a wimp and enjoy modern air conditioning. Well, I think I heard on the radio there's going to be a coffee shop now that I can go in, maybe. Yeah, you don't and even no. have to you don't have to buy anything. You can just go camp yeah, out in this I, coffee I know. shop. So I think I'm gonna start cooling off there in the daytime <laughs> when, I'm not, when I'm not when I'm not working when I'm not working. You know where there's a will, there's always a way, and and somebody provided that way. And I don't uh, in this case I don't know if it was the Lord, but I'm I'm thankful that He did. Right. And uh, so anyway, Mister Mister Y'all. Well, Jerry, we appreciate your time. I know you need to get back on the uh, on the job, regardless of your air conditioning plight. But we appreciate your short stories for this week, and we look forward to getting another set of stories down the road. Well, I look forward to talking with you, and I enjoyed it. And uh, I think you'll have major success with this uh, with this new venture you're in, and it uh, sure sounds good. Well, enjoyed we're, it. we're going to talk a lot of stuff, including getting stuff out of your very uh, colorful mind, I guess is the nicest way to put that. And we again, well, I've, go ahead. I've, I've been, you know, uh, Bill Haley, Rock Around the Clock, I think that was, when I first heard that, I thought it meant for me to rock around the country or something. So yeah. we'll try to share a little of that with well, you. Well, you are a person with no shortage of short stories. And we also want to keep in mind your friend, uh, Brad, with his passing this week, keep his family in our thoughts and prayers. Thank you, Jerry Short. Thank, thank you. Thank you for Brad. And uh, have a good day. All right. Well, that puts a wrap on this first Y'all Show, our first ever. Congratulations for tuning us in, listening to us. Hope you've had as much fun listening as we've had producing this Y'all Show. John Rawl signing off. We'll be back here tomorrow where we're going to spotlight Southern women. We'll have 
Julia Fowler of the Southern Women Channel joining us for a great conversation. And we're going to talk Q with Alan Dietrich. And he'll be on to talk about his site, The Sauce Shop. So that and much more on the Tuesday edition of The Y'all Show. Have a great rest of your day.